Welcome, welcome. We are finally back live, y'all. We we've been gone for a little minute. Um, we got Phyllis back. I'm home. back, y'all. Back in the building, y'all. I told y'all we was gonna be in a new studio this week. Um, well, it was supposed to be last week, but it's been so much going on um, in our lives personally, and we just had to take a little break. That's all. We just had to take a little break. But um, we're back and getting in the flow. It's springtime. It is Autism Awareness Month. Um, so we are um, transitioning is the best word to say, transitioning. Yeah. Um, we do have a special guest today. If y'all didn't catch the promo, we have Miss Lily Mae Jones. I'm going to bring her up, y'all. Um, I wish that we could have gotten her on the show during Women's History Month because she is definitely multifaceted. She has multiple degrees, and it's just amazing to have a, a Black queen who's just so um, dedicated to educating everyone that's on, on multiple platforms. So we want to say thank you, Miss Lizzie May, for joining us. Thank you so much. For I thank you for having me. It has been an interesting. Well, it was an interesting Women's History Month for me. So yes, yes. So um, will you start by just introducing yourself? I know that you wear many, many hats, many hats. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. So like she said, my name is Lily May. Um, and yeah. Definitely a lot of different titles, but I think the ultimate title is being a daughter, being an auntie, being a sister, and being a caregiver, right? So those are the titles that I hold in great esteem. All these other things don't mean anything if I didn't have my mother, my brother, and my nieces and nephews. So I want to just lay that out there as it is. Um, now, <laughs> on the professional side of things, um, I am a behavioral health practitioner by day, and I also um, have a consulting firm. And so what I did was um, I took that and separated it into three different entities. So I have the business component, the civic component, and the social component, and it is titled Lily May, The Collective. Okay. So can you give us um, a little background on, um, I know you've had your consulting business the longest, uh -huh. so can you just um, tell us a little bit about what that involves? Yes, 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 yes. So what happened, pretty much, I am a first-generation college student, not like you would think. You know, most of the time when you think of first-generation college students, you think about, you know, kids growing up in poverty and possibly being the first one in their family to go to college. Well, that wasn't the case for me. I'm a first-generation college student because my mother and father were 46 and 56 when they had me. So they, you know, being born in 1929 and 1938, they weren't taught about college like that. They were taught to go to work. So um, my dad went to the military. My mom worked in the school system. But my brother decided he wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps and keep the trucking business going, right? So I'm the eyeball. 
I want to do all these things. I want to go to nursing school first because my dad had Alzheimer's when I turned 14. He went into Alzheimer's. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to nursing school because I want to take care of my dad. Nobody's taking care of my daddy but me. However, he passed away as um, I was going to my sophomore year, right, um, of, of college. And so that really did something to me. I was like, okay, I'm getting too attached. I love people. I get attached to people. I don't know if I can do this nursing thing outside of my family realm. Well, I was blessed to work in financial aid while I was in nursing school, right? That gave me a wealth of knowledge and information on the process. All right. Fast forward, I get to Virginia State for my actual undergrad career because, you know, the nursing school, it was a technical school, even though they did have some two and four year programs. And I was blessed to be able to stay um, in an apartment. What freshman get an apartment there first year in school? So I was happy, right? Yeah. That's why you got to go. <laughs> go to school in the mountains with your counterparts, because that's where the nice schools be. That's where I went. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we got to Virginia State. And one of the things that I want to make sure that I leave viewers with, no matter what your child's major is, make sure that they volunteer or intern outside of their major. Because what happened was, while I was a criminal justice and biology major... Ooh, girl, that was me. Yes! <laughs> I was doing other things. So I was working at Legal Justice Institute in victim services, right? I was doing some things with the school, with Petersburg school system, because, you know, I was at Virginia State. So it's like I was doing all these things. Well, guess what? I can put that stuff on my resume, right? Mm -hmm. And... I'm learning new skills. So when I graduated, I had all of these skills. But prior to that, I never went to my academic advisor. I was doing my own advising. Well, when I figured out I graduated, I'm graduating on time with all my stuff, I started helping my peers. Then I started doing job preparedness, writing resumes, hosting mock interviews. That's how Sinaj Consulting got started. It was all about job um, career readiness and job preparedness. Well, after that happened, I transitioned to graduate school, then on to law school. And it was just like, hold on. I have all of these skills, right? I'm going to operate a business. Graduate from grad school, get into the government. I met an older gentleman, and he worked with a family services place called DePaul. And I would never forget his name, Mr. Tom Morris. Shout out to Mr. Morris. Mr. Morris said, you work in each discipline for five years. And by the time you are 40, you will not be working for anybody else. Me being me, all right, Mr. Morris, I'm gonna work in each discipline three to four years and I'm gonna do it. Lo and behold, I did. I went from the Department of Corrections to the Department of Social Services to the Department of Education, and now I'm on the behavioral health side. And I can honestly say I have been granted a wealth of information. It has helped the businesses kind of transition into this tripod with the business, civic, and social. And that's why I had to go from Sinaj Consulting to Lily Made the Collective to encompass all three brands, which really, they all are fused together. Yes, um... I guess that's that's also how you tied all the degrees together. Cause I counted like a total of like four different degrees. 
And I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of school for me. That's a lot for Elmo. <laughs> and, 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 and I will say this. It, it has been a blessing because, like, everybody, you know, I did, I did some studies at Duke University. And what ended up happening was because I went back home to my hometown, I was blessed with the opportunity to open what was called the Office of Comprehensive Services. So it's a state-operated, locally-administered program. And because of that program and, and needing so many additional skills, I was able to go and get my certificate in nonprofit management free of charge from the Duke University. What where, where they do that at? Blessings on top of blessings. Listen. So that's why, look, that's why I be telling people, I'm so grateful and so thankful. That's why I pop my shit, because the churn, they'll be ready. I feel like um, we're in a different generation now where... And we are. And we are. We are. Not saying are. that it's a downplay on education, but it's like the requirements to get certain jobs have changed. And they're requiring even the simplest job now to have a degree. Like, I was a person who, I haven't completed my degree yet, but it, it definitely made my journey a lot different from people who have gone and got degrees. And then a lot of people that I know have degrees, they don't even work in their field. I don't work in my field that I went to school for, but yeah. Yeah, and so like, um, I had this discussion with one of my siblings all the time about how sometimes I wish I could go back and change that because there's another experience you get when you go to college that I feel like I might have missed out on. Um, but to be able to to cross that into several several and begin several different businesses is just amazing. I think we are in a time where um, entrepreneurship is getting pushed a lot more mm -hmm. in this generation, and I think people have to understand they have to be open to asking for help. Yes, doing yes, research yes. and the knowledge for themselves. And that word of mouth will always, despite social media, word of mouth will always be the number one. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, let me say this. I have a career. Like, don't get it twisted. I'm not quitting my job with my good benefits and health insurance <laughs> just to be in business. So I don't, I'm going to be real with you. I don't push, I don't push sole for being a sole proprietor or solely being a business owner to anybody. Because I also know that some people are meant to work for somebody that can lead them. And some people just can do it. So I, you know, I feel like social media is doing people a great disservice, making everybody think that they a business owner or entrepreneur. No. Now let's just say it. You're a content creator, but it don't make you the best business. There you go. And, 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 and you have to understand that with all of these things popping up, right? You know, the only coaches I knew growing, growing up was my gymnastics coach, my softball coach, or my <laughs> basketball. Those were coaches. I'm not knocking nobody's online trainings or whatever. But there are those of us who have to have 4,000 clinical hours to be able to sit with somebody and coach them on what to do. You mm -hmm. can't get that in six weeks. Hell, we still have to have continuing education every year. Mm -hmm. So 
I think that what's happening, all of these six-week do-it-yourself courses got everybody thinking that they can change everybody's life. And that's why people are so messed up because you got people out here getting these certificates online and then mm -hmm. trying to change people's lives. It doesn't work like that. I even have to consult with my supervisors because my expertise, area of expertise are children and adolescents with severe emotional disorder. Now, my emphasis oh, my is autism and ADHD. Mm -hmm. Anything else I can work with, but I don't consider myself to have an expertise in it. Mm -hmm. With our job now, we're kind of short-staffed, so those of us that started out as kid case managers, now I have adults. I'm going to tell you, I don't like adults. <laughs> they can be the hardest ones. No, I'm right with her. That's why I tell well, you. You know why? Curious. Because they don't feel like there's nothing wrong with them. I tell mm -hmm. people all the time, I'm crazy as hell, and I work with crazy people, so what's up? <laughs> but I know that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I say that because, y'all, one of my major passions, you know, and the reason that I even created this platform is simply because I got tired of seeing people trying to live their life for what they see on social media, waking up at five o'clock in the morning to beat their face before their man or somebody else's man that they sleeping with wake up so mm -hmm. that they can look good because they don't want them to see them looking regular. Baby, I got traction alopecia, and every chance I get, I let the people see me as I am. Because people need to know, nobody wakes up with a full beat face every day. Right. Mm -hmm. It's important to be transparent, especially in, um, what we're, like I said, in the age of where we're in social media, and then there's so many younger kids that are unmonitored on social media, and so they're just stopping up everything that they see. I see this every day as an educator, as a special educator who works with children who have emotional disabilities. I see this every single day, um, who they look up to, their ideology of where they think they're going to be in life. Um, they don't, these, these kids don't care about anything. They have no regards for life. They don't. They don't even, they don't love themselves. They don't even like themselves. Mm -mm. And the hardest thing that I see now, I've been in SPED for, I think it's my eighth year in SPED. Um, and just seeing how now being smart is frowned upon. It's really weird. Yep. Because you want to be the dummy. Like, yep. you don't want your friends to know that you're smart. And but you want to come to school and act a fool. What community, though? It's only cool to be dumb in what community? It's in our community. Oh, okay. And the crazy thing is my school my school is about 95% Hispanic. And I literally have had conversations with the other Black educators. And I have said, the Black children that are there, we really off the chain. Especially our young Black boys. Mm -hmm. On the chain. Mm -hmm. they, it's the image that they're trying to portray and it's just like when you get them alone they're really children they're really babies but when they're with their friends or out and about like everybody is NBA young boy I'm, yeah yeah oh, 
Yeah, of course, of course. Well, you have to think about it. So we have adults, right, that think that they're Alicia Keys and they think they're Beyonce and they, I mean, so like the kids don't have nowhere to get any good sense from. You don't have mamas no more. You don't have, hell, you don't even have great grandmas no more. Cause great grandma, grandma and mama all out there with the same man. Or woman, so let's just be what it, you know, it is what it is. So you don't have anybody. The worst thing I see now is who do you want to be like when you grow up? So, you know, when we were small, like mommy or like daddy or like your teacher, you know, now some of us were like, oh, I want to be like Jordan. You know, when the kids get older, right? our generation, we wanted to be like somebody that was close to us that we knew. Now everybody want to be like who they see on Instagram. And I, you know, I wish I, you remember that machine that Steve Urkel had on Family Matters? Mm-hmm. I wish, <laughs> I wish I had one of those machines so that I could legit put some of these people in there so that they could get in these people's real houses. Not the houses you see on TV, not the houses that you see them rent for these videos and photo shoots. They're real homes. And really see what they go through when they lay down and go to sleep at night. Because it looked real good on social media. Mm-hmm. But one thing about it, when you spend your day assessing and evaluating individuals, and baby, I know you know, because in spared, you know, I was in spared for a minute. We do a lot of that. We do a lot of observation and behavioral assessments when people mm-hmm. don't even know it. Believe it or not, I do that on my Instagram. I will I will just sit there and study Instagram and I'm like, wow. Yeah, man. This is how they deal with yes. the magic disorder that they have. All the time. Like you're looking at like I tell people, you can pick up on people's behaviors. All you have to do is watch. And especially when you work in anything that involves any type of behavioral services, yes. Yes. Like, you Absolutely. can pick up on everything. Like I have an uncle that says you 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 always just watching, but I read people so well. Yeah. Because you can just tell by their behaviors yep. and the things that they do. Yep. And I and I tell people all the time that so I've met people. I'm like it's like dealing with my kids. It's like dealing with my of course, of course. And just like them, you're just a grown grown version of them. <laughs> but I definitely like my uncle always like you just read the whole family. You diagnosing the whole family. You right. I went to school yes. for this. And so you're right. Yes. It, it, it's, and it's sad. And like I was telling my mother earlier today, I was like, yo, I said, is that my niece and nephew over there hollering acting foolish? Girl, before I knew it, I said, let me tell you something. You might do all that ignorant ghetto ass shit when you over there with your mama, but that's not who you are. So you're going to cut it out today. And I'm six and a half hours away. Guess what them kids did? They stopped in their tracks and they set their asses down because they know Auntie Leo don't play. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, I don't want to have to label them and teach them differences. But I'm going to tell you something. What I know about Betty Lou and Bo Jones and how they raised my brother and I, I realized our parents what raised us the way our counterparts raised their kids. And I thank God they did because my brother and I have no need for name brands. Mm-hmm. 
We know that we are not defined by the vehicle that we drive. We understand the difference between having wealth and having riches. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's like you have a different confidence about yourself when you can walk outside in your Walmart jeans. Y'all remember Jordash jeans? I had this conversation all the time with my students. Like, they come in, well, I got Balenciaga this, Gucci this. I'm very comfortable in my little $6 uh, Walmart leggings. That's what you doing. But you, but you can't get, but your mama can't pay the thirty-two fifty, which is a discount, and you're getting free lunch. Well, buy your if you if you got the Balenciaga, how about you pay for your lunch and let us teachers okay. get the free lunch? Hello, girl. Don't get me started, honey. Don't child listen. Y'all getting me, and and that's why I developed. It's consulting time and all things authentic. Y'all ain't even got to ask no questions because I'm telling you, everything <laughs> that I've done with these businesses is all for the people. It's purpose over popularity. Popularity got people jumping off of buildings and killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and can y'all, now I got a question. Can y'all help me understand something? Why is it that we get so distraught about People that we probably going to never break bread with smacking the shit out of somebody on the no, national no, TV no. show, but your kids walking around smacking the shit out of you and everybody else. Listen, that's why that was one of the things that I said I did not want to address on the platform because one, everybody who had a podcast, who has a platform, took it and ran with it. And I said, just because it was on a, a public platform where it took place, that's the only reason why it's being talked about. It was but that's what we do. It was uh, um, Caucasian people that were in their surroundings. But I said, this happened on the street every day. So, Listen, y'all can come to my classroom and see that. Yes. Okay, yes. from 9 to 3.30. Y'all Thank you. And, and I, I, I was looking for, I'm trying to see if I can find. So my aunt, um, and like I said, you know, my, my family's older. So my aunt is 92, right? And y'all, she's so funny. Like, she is really that aunt. Now, see, my mama 83, but see, my mama a whole gangster in these streets. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but my aunt is really, you know, that sweet little lady. And so she said, well, now, ain't it a shame how that man smacked that man? I said, Aline, I'm going to be real with you. I don't care. I said, the only reason people know about it is because it was public. I said, now think about what would have happened if it would have happened backstage. Nobody would have known about it except for the people that were there. I said, and I'm going to keep it a stack. I'm like, I care more about the fact that our men keep killing each other because that's bothering the culture. Everybody like, oh, he set the culture back. No, nigga, you setting the culture back. Right, right. Because most of us that's not our culture. culture. Exactly. Most of us, to be honest, y'all, that's not our culture. They are set apart from us. And I think part of the reason that it it became such a big thing is one. I don't know why it took the Academy so long to recognize Will Smith as being such a great actor to begin with. And the fact that I think a lot of people in on our side of the fence, wait to get that acknowledgement or honor from the academy who it's not really made for us. It's not. And I feel like it took away from so 
much other or so many other monumental moments that even happened. Like I've been stopped watching the Oscars because um, I'm sick of them. I'm sick of the Academy. Um, but I just feel like in that sense, it took away from like Samuel L. Jackson finally being awarded an mm-hmm. Oscar for all all of the amazing roles that Samuel L. Jackson has been in. Um, to me, and to me, like I think Jada's the problem. <laughs> Nobody asked me. Uh, and I'm just going to go with that. And I just feel like this is all we talked about for mm-hmm. a week in the last two weeks. And now it's like, oh, he's banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Like, who cares? I don't think they ever wanted to release him to begin with, just the fact that he was nominated. <laughs> right. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. like, I think about like the incident with Beyonce and Jay-Z and Solange in the elevator. We didn't even know that happened until Beyonce no. put that in a song. No, no, no. You know, and, and it still meant nothing. Okay, y'all fighting nothing. Like it's always going to be some things that happen. Like I still don't think that Jada and Will's relationship should be public knowledge because they went through a lot of things that now people don't want to do the research and go back and look at those um, interviews that have been had. She never wanted to be married. They made a compromise. That's what their relationship looks like. I don't feel like. Either of them are wrong because that's their relationship. That is what's working for them. We only had to know about the whole entanglement because of August Alcina. So they felt like they had to address it because of what August Alcina said. But if that's what works for them, who are we to say that, you know, Jada's a fucked up partner or a fucked up person? Like, they still chose you know, each other. They ain't got to work your bad you lay in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always taught you make your bed, you lay in it. But I think we also have to have a conversation amongst ourselves and our babies about your needs versus your wants. Because mm-hmm. you might get what you want and find out, baby, you sacrificed your whole self. Yeah. And I think with all of these situations we talk about, even with our own situations, I know I'm guilty of it. I will see something and I'm like, yes, I want all of that. And once I get it, ooh, nah, that won't be yeah, That's not what I saw. That ain't now for me. Listen, listen. Like, we have to start looking at things like Maslow's hierarchy. Let's start with those physiological needs. We need food, right? We need security, right? And we need shelter. You feel what I'm saying? So why is it that we won't what can't even give us no healthy food security and shelter? Y'all following me? Yes, I did this last week with my students. Um, because it's financial literacy month for those okay. people. So um I have been um trying to talk to my students about financial literacy. This is something I've been doing since I've been teaching, um, because our little brown babies have unrealistic expectations when it comes to life. Um so <laughs> So as somebody much like you, I have older parents. So a lot of my upbringing wasn't about having the, the freshest shoes or whatever. My mom worked at Sears. So all my clothes came from Sears and, and on the clearance, discounted, layaway. You look good too, didn't you, girl? J- look, pennies. Look, pennies, not JC Penny. Pennies and right. okay, because I had an aunt who was stayed in JC Penny. That's where all our Christmas gifts came from. <laughs> so I'm always trying to instill this into our children, like your wants versus your needs. Yes. And 
just because you want them that two hundred dollars shoes, like that's not something that you need. Because Indeed. what you need is shelter. What you need is food. What you need is uh security. And it, and it's a lot of they just don't understand that. Like literally. One of my students got mad because he has a Gucci belt, but it's fake. And I was like, it's fake, sweetheart. Like, it's not. But I'm that I'm that teacher. Yeah, I'm okay. out. I'm not sugarcoating nothing for y'all. And you should not. And I and I teach all boys. So yeah, I'm the only woman in the class all day long because my my staff is male too. But they need it. But you know what's crazy? I guarantee you. You mama to every last one of them. <laughs> you are mama. And, and this is what's going to happen. Because what age group are you teaching? Middle school. I had high schoolers. Shout out to one of my one of my former students. He had Kyle Beckton. But I remember parents hit me up on Facebook. Miss Jones, listen. This fool then got picked up by Henrico County. Can you talk to him? Now, I'm rolling over in my bed like, it is like 1 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. What the hell is he doing out in the streets anyway? But that ain't none of my business. But it speaks to the fact that, personally, I don't have children. But you trust in your child's mental with me. So I always get in this huge heated debate about parents. Anybody with a coochie and a penis can create a child, but that don't make you a parent. Mm-hmm. Man, I didn't have this debate on social media before about it wasn't really a debate. It was me asking the question to mm-hmm. people who are parents. Why do y'all have such a problem with people who aren't parents? Um, just putting suggestions out in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, because a lot of my suggestions have come from working with kids. I worked with kids for 10 years in the school system and in parks and recreation. Yes, yes. I'm like, my suggestions aren't just because, you know, I'm I saw somebody else and it's like I have worked with these kids. You do I don't understand it is a difference from being a parent and being a teacher. But all I did was give you a suggestion. So why did that ruffle your feathers so bad? Because the reality of it, a lot of these parents don't know their kids. What? what and you with that child more and, and let's just be real, sis. We, we are, are with those kids longer than they with their parents. Right. And so when you are, I have been in meetings with kids, with parents, and I'm like, well, yeah, this, 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 and this. But they don't do this at home. But I'm like, well, this is, this, this is what's going on. And as a parent, I feel like they are bothered because as the educator, I can tell you more about your child who lives yeah. with you than you know what I'm saying, then you actually know. And I feel, and I've been in meetings where the parents are like, well, what? And and I have had conversations, I've had heated conversations where it's like, just because that child didn't come out of me doesn't mean that I don't care about them no less. I what? tell my students every day, when you're here, they like, you're my business because you are my business. As long as you are here and you're in this classroom and you're in this school building, you are my business and you are my responsibility. So whatever goes on while you're here, I am responsible for that. I have to take care of that. I have to answer to that as your teacher. So whatever is going on while you're here, I am responsible for that. And so I think a lot of times people feel like, well, you haven't gave birth. I treat them kids just like they mine. Mm-hmm. 
Because if anything was to happen to them or anything like that, I would be hurt. Like my first group, my first year teeth, those are my babies. Yeah. When my baby got locked up, they came to school. They said, Oh, you know he got locked. Oh, I was in my feelings. In my feelings. Yes. As soon as he came, I would come back to school. He knew I was mad at him. He knew it. And it hurt him because I was upset. Not that yeah, his mom and them was upset, but it hurt him even more because it's like, he feel like he disappointed yeah, him. and he tells people to the that's my baby. He told me to this day that's my that's my school mama right there, like that yeah. that she took care of me. Yeah, and so and I think a lot of times parents really get in their feelings, but be thankful that you have a teacher or educator that truly cares yeah. about your kids because a lot of these people that's not education, girl, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah, I heard like they don't care. They don't care. They there for a paycheck. Hello, hello. I mean, my thing, yo, it's so many teachers that don't even like kids. Mm -hmm. They just like working nine months out of the year and getting paid for twelve. And let's just call it what it is. Mm -hmm. And and realistically, those of us that have worked in exceptional education, it is hard because what happens? You also have that battle between the general education teacher and the special education teacher in the same collaborative setting because most of the time those of us that were exceptional education teachers had re- personal relationships with these kids, meaning these kids would reach out to us, right, mm-hmm. and would be like, I don't know if I really want to talk to this person. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to work with that person. I want Miss Jones to help me. You follow mm-hmm. me? And then you got to deal with this teacher's problem and the kid. So it's a very interesting dynamic, but the children also have these other issues because of, like I said, the social media and how those things factor into the school setting. So So it's a lot. It's a lot. It definitely is. And we've actually, I've actually had conversations with my students about social media and um, so I taught high school for three years. And okay, then all right. I went to more severe um, spade kids, and then I ended up with middle school. Um, oh, okay. So, okay. Right. So I, I've been working with kids since I was 18. So I'm 33. So that's literally been my entire life. Yeah. So I worked all the way from little ones all the way to adults. Okay. I've, some people all the time um, working with Caucasian kids. ED is different from Black ED. I don't care what nobody says. Those emotional disabilities are very, very different. So I've, I've worked very different with all the all of it. And so, like even with my boys now, um, just I have watched how social media has played such a role in just how these young kids conduct themselves and address themselves like everything is about they literally get into debates about designer and it's so annoying um because it's like they they feel like they have to look a certain way they have to have this or be that and i'm just like but you don't have to to do that like so so they notice you know with boys boys pay attention to lots of so i like to wear nike like i really do and so they're like oh you always come here with nike you're right but i don't pay full price for none of it that's it it. but you know that's the other part let's just take it there though let's just take it there it's like you know i 
thought, right? I was like, okay, now I do want these shoes. You know, my grandma was like, all right, I'll get you some forces, right? Jordans never really appealed to me. Me neither. Because I knew. I knew what he was investing in. Now, I'm not knocking your investments. Do I feel some type of way about it? Yeah, but I also understand why you investing because yo, you already know it's going to be lucrative, right? You know it's going to be lucrative. So I understand why you're investing in these privatized prisons. But I'm not going to support you. And I, I have a problem that you know this for a fact. You can't get the parents to come to an IEP meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning, but I bet you they ass is going to stand in that line at 3 o'clock in the morning to get them shoes when they come out. Ooh, Listen. Girl, I'm, I just... I'm you know, what let's I bring it back to us. Let's thing. bring it back to the podcast, right? Those of us independent bloggers. Now, we will stand in a line for three hours to take a picture with a celebrity but we won't go to our homegirls book signing because ain't no celebrities going to be there. Mm-hmm. Or we won't support the independent artists because they not have it bringing no clout to our platform, but we quit to follow people that ain't even going to share your damn post. No, that that's definitely, mm-hmm. definitely a true. Like I have been to showcases here in DMV and the way that our independent and local artists are treated is absolutely disgusting because it's absolutely. just like absolutely we really like we really have talent here in the DMV like this real talent out here but we don't put our own people on because we don't care like y'all booing out of again by that popularity man. right y'all booing the independent artists because y'all ready to, to hear what you're so familiar to or what you know, and you won't be open-minded yes. to hearing someone else's music or yeah. listening to something yeah. else that's just a little bit different outside of Go-Go or whatever the case may be. Like, we truly don't support our own. And that's why I tell people all the time, I go hard for my friends. Like, everybody know I'm plugging whoever, wherever, whenever. Like I'm always, I'm always gonna do that because yeah. I want these people work hard, right. regardless of what y'all think. These people work hard. They put in time in their own businesses, their own platforms. Like, and a lot of them are truly doing it on their own and working regular nine to fives. Yes, yeah, and you know, I think that's why I'm so grateful, right? That. I woke up to my mother and father every single morning. The morning routine was you wake up, wash your face, brush your teeth, come to the table, sit and talk to your daddy while mommy fixing breakfast. Now, all of this is happening in the same kitchen, right? You eat your breakfast, you go in there, finish bathing, get ready, get yourself ready for school, right? How many of our babies are five and six years old? They all they don't even really know how to bathe themselves. All they know how to do is get up and get dressed and go to school by themselves. Not because parents are at work, because parents are laid in the bed asleep or laid up. So when I think about that, right? And then I think about what I see on social media. 
And then I think about social media is what's raising these babies whose parents aren't raising them. We have to figure out how to make our platforms rank supreme. Because if we don't, y'all, ain't nobody taking care of us. I'm going to have a whole new hip and I'm going to be trying to carry you with your new knee and you're going to have a new hip <laughs> and we're going to all be trying to take care of each other because this new generation is not going to live outlive us. No, that's that's really that's really real. Like they they just don't they just don't care. And that is so hard. Like I literally have had moments like, why do I play? Because y'all don't care. Like why why am I trying my hardest to give y'all everything I got every single day on top of dealing with whatever I got going on personally? And this is what I get. Yeah, I feel like we it, first it was just a point where they were just adults who felt like they had learned everything that they needed to learn and they were um they became unteachable adults. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like a lot of those unteachable adults have pushed those same things into their children. Mm-hmm. So now you have children who feel like they're unteachable. They don't want to hear what no they think they know everything. And it's like the cycle just keeps going. And so trying to find a way to break it. Like one of the things that um, we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks is as far as the DMV is trying to figure out the best way to reach out to the kids to branch um, into the communities where there is so many um, shootings and violence happening. Okay. It's how can we, how can we reach out to them and really get them to say what is what are they really battling to the point where they feel like they have to resort to violence in their own neighborhood? Um, so it's really been a struggle of just trying to figure out the best route to go because I know this generation of kids now is way different than the generation that I worked with. Because my first set of kids, I mean, it, it was like tough at first, but after a while, it was like they stuck to me like glue. And they actually started to listen to, you know, everything that I said. And they took it with them. Some of them still reach out to me. But this new generation of kids, like, well, I don't know what it is. These kids, like, even because I started with these kids in the middle of the school year. So it was tough um, having to deal with the disrespect. Um, these, These new little boys used the word bitch too loosely for me. Like, way loosely for me and so um we've gotten better okay we've gotten better you know i haven't been bitches too much for the past two months we, we we're getting better with that um but it's just that when i hear them talk about fighting and stuff like oh well that's what guns are for and i'm just like no no that's not what guns are for it's not because you mad at this person over here and whatever the case may be, now you want to shoot guns. I have suits. Oh, I'm from Southeast. That I'm from. Things uh, don't work. What does that What does that mean to <laughs> <Please>. me? <laughs> <laughs> now, can I just can I pl- let's plug this right quick? Let me just say this, guys. Everybody under the sound of my voice, stop using where you from as the reason why you act a certain way. Adults. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking to adults. Mm-hmm. My friend just moved down here. So, you know, I'm from Virginia, but I live in Georgia now, right? And we had this conversation. 
She's from New York. She's from Brooklyn. And she said, what did she say the other day? She was like, yeah, you know, because I'm from New York. So today I was talking to my homeboy from Alabama. And he was like, well, yeah, you know, us Southerners. I said, let me tell you this. Nobody really knows where I'm from or grew up until I tell them. People think I'm from D.C. They think I'm from Louisiana. Nobody really knows where I'm from. And I was born and raised in Danville, Virginia, the last capital of the Confederacy. I don't care where you come from. You don't have to act like what the stereotype says. Ooh, that's a word. So please stop saying, oh, because I'm from, oh, I act like this because I'm from Chicago. Oh, I act like this from, I, I act like this because I was born and raised in Danville, Virginia. And it's supposed to be country. Like, it, I don't think like, people understand. It, it don't make sense. Like, I don't even like when adults ask me, where you from? Like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> that's all no, I literally, because my kids would be like, what you from the hood? No, baby, I was Oh yeah, they just in Prince George's County, Maryland. I said I'm not from the hood, Listen. but I need to, to turn it on and off for of y'all to get my point across. Oh, I will. And then it's like I had another. I had one of my students. He was like, "This is sound white." I said, "Oh, because I'm speaking with intelligence." Can we address I said, that? that? I said, "Can Stop we address that. it? Can we just address it?" I said, "It's intelligent." I, I don't like the kids that when you say you talking white, like what? I've been hearing that. What does that mean? speak proper too so if like, you want to say we're speaking proper i literally said i said so what so what do you mean that i'm speaking white i said because i'm speaking with intelligence because i'm pronouncing or or enunciating yeah, my words listen listen correctly. let's but but let, now let's let's be real let's just be real didn't nobody do that but us because mm-hmm. guess what I have no issues from my white counterparts about these, about these, or about this in corporate America. It's always black women. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh that's not class. But let me, but let me put on my short pixie wig. I look classy. I got eighteen tattoos, ear piercings, nose piercings, bundles, and fingernails. This is not an indicator of what's in here. Exactly. So black women need to chill because what I have learned is that the majority of people that put these stereotypes on us are our own people and they mad because they want to do it but they have an image to maintain. It's interesting that you said that because I literally made a post similar to this like two, like last week. So, you know, as a young black woman, that's a little thicker than others. So, yes, I can't leave Girl, my I, ass in the car yeah, when I get to work. Come through, so, pretty BBW. Okay, please. So, I've had conversations with older black women. It's like, oh, you have to dress a certain way, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. And I've had Female supervisors who have made me feel uncomfortable because I have ass. I can't leave it in the car, sis, when I get to work. So it's not my fault that people are going to look. It's natural because if I see a big ass, I'm going to look. That's you just natural. Like, that, ain't, that, ain't that ain't no Dr. Curves, boo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, and it's human nature to uh-huh, look, uh-huh, but you uh-huh. have had older, I have seen where older black women have been so jealous of younger black women and how we carry ourselves, yes. and I've always said it's because we are doing things that they wanted to do, yes. but they didn't have the courage to do, because y'all gonna get these long, colorful nails, some days I might have a fro, some, you know, you might see me with braids. Uh, in the next couple of days, I'm going to be Puerto Rican down my back. So, <laughs> but that doesn't take away, like you said, from what's up here, from my intelligence. And then even working in, I worked in a non-public school and the okay. administration was white. And the way they would look at us, they can never understand how we were able to build the relationships that we were able to build with our students. But it's like, it don't, it has nothing to do with how I look. It's what's up here. And my spirit and how I carry myself. Because when I interviewed, y'all saw the fro. But when y'all when when I saw it, I had braids. Girl, look, uh uh-uh, let me tell you what I love. My <laughs> name is Lily Mae Jones. I love when I walk in somewhere and they're like Lily Mae. And they looking around for Lily Mae. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, one of the things I think we we really have to bring home with this conversation is this. Stop publicly checking your people. We are the only people that publicly drag and check one another. Now, I'll check people with my intellectually subliminal posts. And I know I check them because I see they feel some type of way. They slide into somebody else's DM and don't realize that the person's DM that they slid into was like, such and such was bothered by your post. And I'm like, keep on sliding. You feel me? But stop publicly checking your people. Pull them to the side and say, hey, look, you know, I don't know if that was good. Because our counterparts don't do that. I I believe in my heart, and I'm going to tell you this. I believe in my heart that when Donald Trump was in office, a lot of his staunch supporters didn't agree with things that he did, but you would have never known it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let us do one, let one of us do one thing. Oh, they going to hell. Oh, they ain't no Christian. Well, you ain't no damn Christian for judging. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just once again going back to you know the businesses, the why, the how, y'all, it's all about purpose over popularity. Like I was raised on morals, safety, respect for authority, and, and we're gonna go there because I know y'all have worked with kids. And we got to talk about this thing called authority. Now, we haven't had any major shootings, right? But they are still happening. People just aren't dying. So there's a conversation that needs to be had about what respect for authority looks like. And it goes back to what you said, like, How do we push into these communities? How do we protect 
the babies that aren't ours. Because I'm sick of y'all with this not my baby, not my problem. Mm -hmm. They are our problems. Half of us wouldn't be here today if we didn't have a village. So I'm still trying to figure out how to push into marginalized communities where individuals feel that it's normal. Because, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between marginalized communities where they feel marginalized. But you got marginalized communities where they've been raised that this is normal, this is intergenerational transmission, and we're going to keep doing this because as long as we do this, we don't have to answer to the white man. And, and, and let's just call it what it is. That's what that's how they feel. And so I battle with that. Yeah. I battle with that because sometimes that white man might be the one to give you the biggest opportunity of your life while your own people setting you up for failure. So we have to address our own shit first. And stop bringing the white man into everything. We got to stop using slavery as the crutch. We know we still battling with the traumatic effects of slavery. But our generation, we won't out there in them fields. So we got to cut it out and stop teaching it to the kids. Let's teach them what it was, but let's also teach them what it looks like in 2022. And them Balenciagas is keeping your ass enslaved. Mm -hmm. Because you don't own them. You're paying the person that owns them. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's so many things that we have to demystify. But y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really hopeful about a lot of it. And I try to be positive patty right but i also have to be real with myself and say that you two are rare you two are rare because you have cultivated something in an area that i grew up in because my aunt been in southeast dc since 1956 (laughs) so coming there and spending time and getting the best of both worlds, you know, girl, she over there off of Bending Road and where Bending Road and Southern Avenue connect. Y'all oh, know that. Okay, yeah, okay. Let me tell you something. And I love every minute of because you know I'm coming from I'm coming from Danville, right? Man, I love to go to DC until I start driving. Are them kids still up there stealing cars? Y'all, they tried to steal my car one night. Me and my cousin Kim got in the van. We rode all through Simple City to find them little ninjas because they tried to take the tags off my car and steal it. Yeah, well, we, they stealing tags right now. They stealing tags. Well, they, they are having carjackings, and the carjackings oh, have yeah. increased amongst the youth. Uh, um, yeah, yeah they've been stealing tires. But think about it. I am 36 years old. If they were doing this 20 years ago, and and we're talking about trying to fix it, so think about it. The children of the children that were doing it 20 years ago are doing it now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to, I think, break that generational curse. It's just like... Generational curses, and then the things that are pushed on um, from generation to generation. Like we spoke about before, how 
A lot of things that are taught to us might not have been the right way, but being able to acknowledge that it's okay to go a different way than what you were taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're not, and you're not selling out because you know that's the other thing. Oh, you a sellout? Well, well, right? They call you a sellout, or they say you being disrespectful. Like, but also that thought of people, some people that are in the hood feeling like they gotta have a whole hood on their back, Mm. and it's just like you don't like you gotta do what's best for you. And I think that's something that even as Black people as a whole is we have to learn to be selfish with ourselves. And it's not not saying that you can't be there for your family, but a lot of times what keeps some of us from being successful is we're we're too worried about our family Mm -hmm. when you got to be selfish with yourself because you got to get yourself out of the situation first, then maybe others will follow suit. Or maybe you can help push everybody else, but you can't have the sense where I got to make it with the whole hood on my back. Because those are the same people that will turn their backs on you. Those are the same people that once you do make it, oh, look at you, you a sellout. You done became this, you done became that. Oh, you think you're too good to do this and do that. No, you found a outlet and made something better of yourself. And we have to get away from that because I even see that in my own family like where I have cousins who are a little bit older than me or we're all in the same age but y'all feel some type of way about me or certain cousins that I'm close to because we became successful but you had the same opportunities that I had you just chose to do whatever you chose to do and now that I'm doing better or I'm more successful now it's the issue now it's the jealousy and all that but you had a lot of people have had the same opportunities, but I chose to be selfish with myself because at the end of the day, I came in this world by myself. I'm going to leave by myself. That's where a lot of hate comes from, though. So they see something that they weren't able to do. That's where a lot of hate comes from. But then you also don't know what people had to go through to even get what they had. That's why I tell people all the time, like, be careful what you wish for because you wishing that you had what somebody else had and then... You don't know what they had to go through to get to that point. So do you, you got to be direct. How we talk about manifestation, you got to be direct with what you want about how you're going to get it, how you want to get it. Because these paths that, that it took to get here, I guarantee nine times out of ten, what you're asking for, you ain't going to be able to handle that. And, and I, I agree 100%. Like, you know, I look around and... I think about the fact that there are so many things that I did. Like, if we really tell the truth about all of the academia, y'all, that won't me. It won't even my mom and dad. It was my extended family and church family that made me feel like I was a straight-A student all through school. I got to do all these things. Like, my mother and father never place those expectations on us. You know what my mother and father made us do? The expectations they put on us, I was I was always morbidly obese. My mother put me in gymnastics. In 1989, my mother put me in gymnastics. At four years old, I'm going to guesstimate, I was probably about 80 pounds. 
Y'all know all them other little white girls were like 40 or 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. But she put me at about 80 or 90 pounds in gymnastics with those little girls. And, and believe it or not, I was thinking about it today. And I was like, mommy did that because she knew what I was going to be up against in this world. But she knew what I was going to be up against in this world for my people, not from them. Mm -hmm. And she wanted me to be able to withstand the adversity. And she wanted me to be able to compete in a league not made for me. And guys, I think about it sometimes, but it wasn't until today that I really realized I have been fighting and knocking down doors all my life that I really didn't realize were doors that I had to knock down. Because for me, I thought it was normal. And so when I look at the things that they made us do versus the things that I did because I felt like society expected me to do, and now to be able to do the things that we're talking about, at 36 years old, I'm finally doing what I wanted to do at 20. Because all I really wanted to do was sing, play the piano, and the saxophone. That's it. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> but that wasn't acceptable. Mommy and Daddy didn't say that. But it goes back to what we were saying earlier. All of these outside influences impact us. So now, I'm going to be real. Now my petty is real. That's why I do certain things. Because now, I did everything y'all want me to do. Now watch me act like a fool. Just so you can't <laughs> say nothing. Because see, now, you can't say, oh, well, I knew she was going to da 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 Because see, I did everything y'all wanted me to do that y'all really wanted me to attempt and fail at. Now, I really act a plum fool because I am there. Mm -hmm. and, and realistically, that's a lot of times why I say the things I say, I wear the things I wear, and I do the things I do because I know those people are watching. And some of them still call my mother and say, you know Lily Mae was cussing on that computer. And my mama said, well, she cussed here too. I cussed. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then I'll never forget it. And this was before, like a couple of years ago. My mom asked somebody, mother, uh, well, how are your child doing with all them kids with them different men? She, she, yes. Because the, the, this was the thing. I, and guys, I'm telling you, church hurt is real. It was this old lady in my church named Miss Essie. Y'all, Miss Essie was so mean. Miss Essie, so my brother five years older than me. That's when I started fighting because of that Miss Essie. So Miss <laughs> Essie used to make my brother cry. So when I was born, I was just, I was, y'all, I have been terrible since I was born. So I had to be maybe about two years old. And I real, real fat and knock kneed and bow legged at the same dog on time. So I'm just wobbling, I'm wobbling, I'm wobbling. And I would never forget, Miss Essie said something to my brother and pointed at him. Girl, I walked by Miss Essie and I said, and walked and ran down the aisle of the church. Did you know that she told our new pastor about two years later, that one right there, she hot in the ass and she gonna have a baby before she's 12 years old. Well, damn it. 
24 plus 12 is 36 and she ain't got one yet. And everything else that's been come through there and did their thing. But I say that to say, people put things on you not knowing that they digging an early grave for themselves. So all of those things, all of that trauma, because that's what it was. If we just call it what it was, it was trauma. That shit bothered me and I didn't know it because I was a child. But as an adult, when I realized why I was doing things and why I was going so hard and why I was doing these things to prove myself, it won't my counterparts. It ain't had nothing to do with my counterparts. It had everything to do with all the bullshit I dealt with from my own people. And I am not ashamed to say it. And, and unfortunately, that is generally how it is, especially in uh, family dynamics and in the church. It's very strong, but um, I think people have to learn it's a thin line between earning the right to say certain things and just being outright mean and projecting things onto people. That that projecting part is real. I think as for, for me, as someone who I have older parents, so my parents were almost 40 when they had me. Um, my grandma had her last child at 45. I had an aunt that gave birth at 44. Okay. So, you know, I feel like that projection part is really real because out of all of the first generation grandkids, it's three of when well, that was two of us. No, three. Three that don't have children. So, I'm one of them. And just thinking about, like, how my family dynamic was, and of course, there were people that were in the church. So that's why I said that church hurt is really real because I watched people in my family that had these titles of evangelists and pastors and youth ministers. And I watched how they had people had this image of them, but we knew who they truly were and we still know who you truly are. Um so, but they would still project their insecurities and their bullshit on us. I had an aunt who thought that I was hook, trying to hook a cousin up with girls and he was trying to hook me up with boys. And our age gap was like six or seven years, but we were just hanging out as cousins, as family. But because she was out here and had a child at 12 years old, she felt like that a man and a woman can be friends without any type of sexual something going on. Like these are things that that I have seen in the black community. We truly project our bullshit, because that's what it is, onto our younger generation and onto our family. Because you have you haven't dealt with your demons or your insecurities or whatever you got going on with you and even as of growing up like it was people that I looked up to as a child because like you said I never had like role models that were celebrities I always looked up to um the people that I were that I was around like my mom my grandmother my godmother like those were women that I admired to be like yeah so it's just like growing up looking at some of the people that I looked up to when, when I got into my 20s and 30s, I'm like, oh, y'all, because y'all really was on some BS. Yeah, like, I was lit. 
Yes. You weren't who I thought you were nope. as a child. Nope. And so nope. I'm the cousin that's going to call you out on your bullshit because I don't care. Girl, and then they get mad then, girl. Yeah, then they, then they get mad because I'm calling you out. But it's like, I'm grown now. I see you for what it is. And it's not yeah. me being disrespectful because now we're two adults. And so now we're having conversations. No, you're not. No, you're not. Guess what? You don't ever grow up. Let me tell you what I learned. And and, and just last night, just last night, to our relatives and to our church folks, we never, we're always Mm -hmm. children. And see, for me, I ain't never been a child. Now, I'm just going to be, I don't think I've ever been a child. Because one thing about it, (laughs) I don't know what my mom, I think my mama realized with my brother, I think they probably were like, well, you know what? Linwood is real meek and mild, so let's try something different with this new one. And I think they messed up. I think when they, I think when they decided to let me be free, they because girl, let me tell you something. If it came up, it came out. And and to a certain degree, I I noticed that I try to be a little bit more tactful with it. But y'all know what I do now? If I really need to turn up on somebody and I don't want to disrespect them, I just call my mother. And I let her handle it. Because she 83. What you going to say to her? (laughs) And and seriously, I'm so serious. Like now, I'm not going to disrespect you. I'm going to let you have it. But guess what? I still got a mama. Mm -hmm. As long as she got breath in her body. I know she a real OG. She going to turn up for the one time and the two and the three times. <laughs> so, you know, I pick and choose my battles. But one thing about it, I know that, you know, my dad passed away um, when I was 18 going on 19. And I will tell you that that was a major issue that put it put a different plan in motion, if you will. But what I do know is that if he hadn't been taken away when he was, y'all, if my daddy was still living right now, I guarantee you he would be right over there in that living room, grinning like a chess cat, chilling, because that's just who he was. I'm a daddy's girl all day, every day. And my mother would probably be somewhere like, look at him, look at him, look at him, just sitting there, just grinning. And she'll be watching sports because that's what it was like. You know what I'm saying? My mother was always chilling in her own element, but we were daddy's kids. And that speaks to another element of what we have to figure out. There's a different confidence to to women that had that strong father figure. And there's a different confidence to boys that had a strong mother figure. We always want to talk about absent fathers with these boys. I agree that that's an issue, but we have to talk about strong, secure mothers because they matter with these boys. That is going to dictate how they choose. So it's so many different things, guys. I, I just, I thank you for having such a platform that allows one to not only gain exposure, but you guys want authenticity. And I'm just I'm just grateful to be able to be here and sit with you ladies, for real. 
thankful. We're grateful for having you as a guest. That, yes, definitely um, appreciate it. Just being transparent and, and talking about some of the things that we're very we're very passionate about as well. Um, what we're gonna do real quick is I'm gonna play a little bit of music in the background, and Felix Swag is gonna ask you a couple of questions. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. I like this question because I was in um, Forever 21 yesterday and I was looking at some of the clothes, right? And so I was like, it looked like the 70s and the 90s all threw up in the store together. So which fad are you loving right now? Like which fashion fad are you like truly loving right now? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. Some of them clothes. Even in Target, it's given very much. Seaweed was in the kitchen making the biscuits for Mister. So, <laughs> y'all like for real? Y'all know something? Yeah. I really follow trends. Like I like weird stuff. So I want something so far out of the box. I don't want what nobody else got. So I don't even really think I'm following any fad. What I will say that I love right now, though, are Adidas and Chucks. That's it. Adidas and Chucks with evening gowns. That's it. But a part of that, too, is because I got bad knees and child. Listen, <laughs> I'm about to have this surgery on this leg, girl, and her. Huh, girl, they're going to fix this knock knee. So, I think last weekend we were in Charlotte uh, for a family event. Uh-huh. And so, like, I dressed up for special occasions, but I'm not a person who likes to wear heels all the time. Uh-huh. This is my first time in heels in like probably like six, seven months. Was you giving them bandy? No, I'm not, bandy? no, I still walk perfectly fine oh, in okay. the heels. But um, after like that first hour and a half, I was over. I said, I'm going to be right back, y'all. Like, um, I don't want to participate in nothing else until I go change these shoes. They had like a 360 boot snack. I said, well, just don't get. Look, take all the pictures <laughs> from the knees up because I'm gonna go change these shoes. Like I just like to be comfortable. I please, yeah. if you're gonna invite me to an event, y'all, like just know I'm gonna have a change of shoes with me. I'm gonna be presentable coming in, but I'm gonna have a change of shoes. I need me a good uh chunky heel. If I got a good chunky heel, thick heel with a nice um, platform, I'm good to go. Yeah, that, and that's, to go. That, that's, that's but right now, good. I can't wear heels because I rolled my ankle leaving the studio with Bishop King. I'm blaming this on you, Bishop. Bishop oh, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, so right now, I can't wear heels and I can't go running, which absolutely sucks. Uh, okay. but don't worry, no, I'm coming back because I gotta get... Yeah, I'm gonna be down. I'm gonna tell you, like, I probably... I'm gonna be down for eight weeks. Can't can't no weight bearing for eight weeks. So I probably won't get my high heel shoes back on. It's probably gonna be a year. And that's gonna kill me. Cause when I asked the doctor about this, I was like, so doc, when can I wear my high heel shoes again? He said, when you feel safe. But I th- when I really thought about the recovery period for this type of surgery, because this is more this is more like an athletic surgery. So mm-hmm. it ain't no knee replacement where your tail gonna be bending like I'm gonna be up like this for eight weeks. <laughs> like you feel me? Yeah. But what I also I'm grateful because it will give me an opportunity to rest. Cause for real, if I won't have a surgery, I'd be acting a fool when it get hot. The Lord said, Oh no, you ain't gonna be out there this summer. <laughs> 
You gonna sit your tail down this summer. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the hardest part uh, for me because everybody knows like about my weight loss journey and I'm a gym rat. So yes, uh, yeah. Uh, the last four years, five years now, I've lost over 150 pounds. So yes, gym rat. And so it's warm outside. This is my season. Like I, I've never been really a runner, but my trainer, he's a runner. He has okay. all his, like his female clients. We be out there getting it in. I was that's so what's and, you know, those are the things. That's what I miss because five K's and stuff. Yes, a lot of people don't understand. Like even with the weight loss, um, because I played sports when I was so heavy. Now that the weight is down, my knees were already damaged. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to eventually, like in my 60s, I'm going to have to have a knee replacement. What this correction surgery does is it fixes it such that I'm a, it equally distributes the weight and it lines my legs up so both legs are the same in the same alignment so mm-hmm. that, you know. So, yeah, needless to say, it's going to be hard, but also he was saying it will be easier to exercise once I get through the rehab process. So, girl, I'm gonna be out there with you. I ain't gonna be um running, but I'm gonna be dancing, girl, because I'm ready to once that <laughs> leg, like, girl, I'm ready to look back at it. I might do it with one leg, but I'm gonna get low. <laughs> uh, so, right. one more so another question. Um, so, like, what do you do for fun outside of? Your day to day, the many hats that you wear. Yes. Binge watch my shows or catch up on Chicago Man, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire. Oh, you like all my the law and Everything order. Chicago. Yes, the good doctor, the resident. That's really what I love. Mm-hmm. That's what I love to do. And, and realistically, because my sisters are back in Virginia, I generally video chat with them for hours because, you know, that keeps me feeling like we're still together. So that's what I do for fun because I'm a family person. So realistically, I got family-like folks out here, but I'm a family person. <laughs> and I'm believing like that. <laughs> I understand. My sister recently moved to North Carolina. Uh-huh. And so um, she doesn't really know anybody in North Carolina. So when I say I, she'll probably call me every single day, like as soon as I get off work, it'd be two within the two minutes. I just uh-huh. don't work out. Yeah, she on the phone with me. Um, we talk almost every day. So I definitely understand uh, having, um, trying to still have that family feeling, even though they're at a distance. Because mm-hmm. it's some days I feel like our energy can be somewhat codependent on each other. Because we be on the phone for hours and don't be saying the damn word. No. <laughs> be on the phone just doing stuff around the house. Especially with the days when we all work from home. So I work from home every day. But especially on the days when we all work from home, girl, we all be, look, we be just like this. <laughs> but it's just it's it's just the comfort in knowing that they're right there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I, I say I, I enjoy this because you never know how many people 
have the same mission and vision as you until you open your mouth and have a conversation. You'll be working with people and you think y'all on the same wavelength and they out here chasing clout just like the next one. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that's the old word right there. Right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. See where you at? So uh, I do want to transition a little bit to talk about how uh, you're the executive uh, VP for. Uh-huh. For Sky Records uh-huh. and the CEO of ID 104 Radio. Oh, and so that's why, if y'all didn't catch it earlier, I said she wears a lot of hats. And uh, and then you've already told us that you still have your regular nine to five job. Okay. I can't imagine how you juggle all this. I get stressed out with <laughs> my nine to five and, and the podcast. So. <laughs> so, okay. So it works like this. Once again, I work here. By day, right? Um, And a lot of the things that I do are programmatic in nature. So with the record label, the biggest thing I do is build relationships, right? A lot of that is done electronically or events, which I'm going to go out on the weekends. Or I'm training other individuals to prepare them to go out and network appropriately. Networking is not just telling someone to follow you and you follow back. Follow Mm -hmm. up feels the deal in networking. Mm-hmm. So with the record label, it's more or less developing programs for independent artists, educational things, teaching them the process of portfolio development and what matters and not promising them shit that they re- you really not going to give to them. You know, out of that was birth the radio station simply because once again, being able to show individuals and giving them a platform that's not costing them to spend their music or host their shows. So once again, everything really is about the purpose of teaching and training individuals to have something of their own without breaking their pockets. And so I see how you brought that all the way through 60 with the consultant part too. There you go. um, as far as uh, branding and what other things usually fall under your consulting when it comes to dealing with the record label and the radio station? Okay. Now, when it comes to dealing with the record label on the consulting side, it's all about program development. It's all about program development. Like, you won't find me listen. I'll go to the events, but I tell the artists all the time, I'm not listening to your music. I don't care about your music. All I want to do is make sure you don't get messed over like everybody else out here with these scammers and con artists. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing for me, educating them on the business of music, hence business consulting. Um, Also, with the consulting, though, I'm more of a consultant in the areas of operation, strategy, and processes. So you would come to me to you know, improve the quality of your day-to-day processes or increase your business's capacity and visibility relative to how you're working, okay? So I, I pay attention to, like, business models, your business models, you know, making sure that we're working on things that are cost-effective and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of, uh, I'm real, I'm nerdy when it comes to business. I'm a nerd, for real. I, I turn up. But behind the scenes, I'm a whole nerd for real. <laughs> okay, and how many artists are um, under that label? So we have what's called the Artist Advisory Council, right? 
So you remember the school, and, and you're going to appreciate this because y'all came out of the school system. In my mind, I thought about the Student Council Association. Mm-hmm. So I created an artist advisory council where people have a membership and they have access to a network of resources where they always have a mentor or some kind of leader to help them through the process. So we don't necessarily have artists that are signed, which we do have one, um, Los Diggity, and we had two others who are um, transitioning out. They're no longer with us. But we have a council of about maybe 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. Which is different. I, I did see, um, like, the motto of ID 104 Radio um, was independently dope. Uh-huh. And I think that is really important for um, especially a lot of artists. Like, I know Atlanta has a lot of musicians um, trying to come up and get, get recognized as well as the DMV does. Your face is <laughs> right. The face, the face is what took me out. Yes. <laughs> and so I know um, offering them a platform is really big. Like um, one of the biggest things or mantras that we had for the podcast here was that I don't want someone who's already, their name is already out there. We want to interview and talk to people who are still now I don't want to say at the beginning but they they haven't reached that level of popularity within our community I think the the hardest thing here in the DMV is that it's almost like crabs in the barrel when it comes mm-hmm. to music and so just trying to get yeah, just in the DMV it's not but it seems like it's more hatred here in the DMV than as opposed to some of the other cities and you know what? Being that, you know, I have been blessed to kind of go to and work with people in other areas like, like you know, DMV, Richmond, um, Raleigh-Durham, those areas. Y'all, it's the same thing everywhere, for real. And, and the bad thing is what, what really happens, you got people promising these babies that they're going to get them twenty, fifty, and $100,000 record deals. And, and 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 this is the question. And guys, for everybody on the sound of my voice, I want you to understand this. How the hell is somebody gonna give you a hundred thousand dollar record deal if their artist ain't even on? Are y'all thinking about that when y'all listen to what these people telling y'all? No, all they see is them dollar signs. That's not there. My brain don't work like that. That's just like I don't mean no harm. If I'm 240 pounds and you 240 pounds and you out here to tell me you about to help me lose 100 pounds, bitch, I'm not listening to you until you lose that 100 pounds. <laughs> I'm not For real. That's why I said we are institution of learning. I can't, te- I can't teach you how to put on for the city, but I can show you how to write your own biography. I can show you how to get your portfolio in order, but I'm not promising you that I'm going to put you on. I don't care who I know. I'm not promising to put you on because my relationship with them and your relationship with them is not going to be the same. Right. Mm-hmm. So stop listening to these people that's promising you these dreams. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm gonna have to, we're going to have so many drops for, for this episode, so many gems in this I'm episode. Like, God, I don't have time. Like, and, and that's why the people don't like me 
but they respect me because they already know if I say it here, I'm going to say it there and everywhere else. And I really don't care because I care about the people and the collective impact and not what social media likes. Yeah. So if you could send one message or to have any message that could go out of, do you think that upcoming artists should have a consultant just to go over their brand and and how they want to be portrayed and all of those things prior to presenting it to the public? Absolutely. Because your brand and your package matters. And that's what I tell all these artists. Like, they make all this dope music. They stay in the lab making music. But I ask them, do they have a bio? No, I got an Instagram. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I Like, I'd be like, stop sending me cell phone photos. I need professional photos. I need to be, we need to tell this story. So, yes, they do. Everybody, oh man, I'm about to get me a manager. What the hell do you have to manage? <laughs> All you need is a mentor. You don't need no damn manager. Get your M's together, M and M. You can really brand yourself. You just have to take the time to. And that's why I said all they need is somebody to support them through it. But this is the thing they don't want to pay $100 to get everything done, but you're going to pay $500 to perform at a show that you really never going to get nothing back from. What sense does that make? Also, you can get some content. Bitch, go over there and get you a green screen off of Amazon for $50. Do your performance, and then fake it like everybody else on Instagram. Come on now. Y'all know about these virtual backgrounds. You can be anywhere you want to be. Everybody was at the Grammys. So, you know, I'm just, I'm a realist when it comes to it. And that's what it is. So, um, we're going to let Fearless ask you two more questions. And then, um, we usually end our show with a uh, encouraging word or a mantra or something that we uh, usually can run back and that's just inspiring for the week. All right, all right. All right, so you know you're, again, busy working (laughs) woman with so many different hats and talents and everything else. So what indulgence would you like to treat yourself to? Oh, Lord. Insomnia cookies. Mm. You probably want to try them. You got to get some, girl. They so good. Insomnia cookies. And you got to wait till the Christmas season and get the gingerbread ones, too. They deliver, too. Yeah, and they still be warm most of the time. You get the Ooh, right cookie. Yes, they do. Oh, oh my God. Maybe not hear that, but I'm going to give me But it's another place that they got now in Crawford called Crumble Cookies. Yeah, I like theirs, though. Yeah, I saw somebody do a review one, but on TikTok, she was like, the crumble cookies was overrated. Yeah, I ain't feeling them. I'm not feeling them. Okay, well, I'm on spring break, so I guess I ain't got nothing. <laughs> All right, so what's your favorite dream about your future? Ooh, um, having my show, having my show on MSNBC. 
Mm-hmm. Make sure we. I just want to be on it. Just yeah, and, I, and, and it's something about MSNBC that I feel like needs me. Not mm-hmm. CNN, not E, not BT. I need MSNBC. BT, not even BT no more. That's a whole other thing. It is not, and is not. Oh, so the one thing that I didn't get to talk about is the um the. The professional boards that you are on media-wise. And so I do want you to speak a little bit about that before we go. Okay. So um, I am a member, you know, of the National Association of Black Journalists. But I will say that the ones that are near and dear to me would be Atlanta Citizen Review Board, um, Street Integrity Team. And, you know, um, the Atlanta Citizen Review Board is all about investigating police misconduct. Mm-hmm. Um, and the street integrity team, we really get out there and we let you know what it is and what you need to know to make sure that you're protected in these streets. So um, realistically, guys, that's really my my biggest, proudest affiliation. Um, of course, I am a member of Atlanta Press Club and um we do a lot of work um, with education around, you know, politics and understanding what's going on with the government and other um, regional and global uh, efforts. But, but yeah, those would probably be my major uh, affiliations. And shout out to Georgia Entertainment Association also, where we also have a really dope, cool podcasting component, but we also educate the community on what's going on and try to be, bridge a gap and be a global hub for anything entertainment i'm telling you this has been one of my favorite interviews yes yes oh, wow. thank you <laughs> we appreciate you like i said I like you, I at the beginning of the show like you're well decorated when it comes to degrees knowledge in multiple areas and just being a multifaceted person um, so I want you to give us a, a with your wisdom of the week and tell the people how they can reach you. I know you have your own show on the uh, ID 104 radio. So just give all the people all the details for us. Look, guys, all you have to do right now is go to www.lilymaycollective.com. That's www.lilymae. C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E.com. Everything is there for you. If I could just say one thing to you, it's the words of one of my favorite songs. If I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living will not be in vain. And that's what I want to leave you with. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to follow up to that? <laughs> So, um, I guess you can go first. I'm going to play this song in the background. This song is by Jesse Odelli. I opened the show up. There's the music playing at the beginning of the show, but I can't even remember. Uh, it was supposed to be Yemi Gang. Uh, I think it was Yemi Gang. Judge Joe Brown. Brown. Shout out to Yemi Gang. Y'all know. Yemi. Um, <laughs> y'all know I'm a little biased with Yemi Gang. No play. But anyway, um... I already know y'all. It just it feels good to be back here. Um, as y'all know, I've been MIA for like the past three weeks. Um, just been dealing with a lot, uh, personally, family wise. So those that know the words of prayer, please definitely continue to pray for me and my family. We definitely need it. Um, but I do 
want to just say to everyone, like, love on your tribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, that is who really has been keeping me afloat um, with everything that I've been going through. And so just even thinking with, like, the untimely death of, like, Dwayne Haskins, um, like, love on your people because you just never know when the last time is the last time. Um, and I really just am a true believer of giving people their flowers while they still here. So definitely love on your people. And I know that our generation, are we're, I just feels like we're very weird with telling our friends that we love each other or that we care about them or we're there. And I have been in a place now where I really do like tell my friends, like, I love y'all, I thank y'all, I appreciate y'all, and I think that's what we need to do. I think we really need to love on our people who love on us and give them their flowers while they can still smell them. Okay. Um, So that's all I got for y'all this week. Um, Just love on your people and give them their flowers. Wow, they can still smell them. And remember to always be fearless. <laughs> oh, y'all, I miss fearless, y'all. It was so hard trying to do a show by myself because I always use her energy to bounce off of. And so it's extremely hard for me to do shows by myself. But I would say my word of the week would have to be because um, I learned this about myself. Stop trying to save people who didn't ask to be saved. Stop trying to save people who didn't ask to be saved because you will drain yourself and your own energy trying to help people who didn't ask for that help. And then they'll turn around and ask you and look at you like, why the hell why the hell are you doing this? I didn't ask you to do this. Mm. So I want y'all to use that energy and invest it into yourself. And as we said earlier, be selfish with yourself. Get to where you need to be. Um, at the end of this episode, for sure, you will see, um, I'm still going to show all the businesses that were broadcast at the pop-up shop we did in February, as well as upcoming pop-up shops that will be locally to the DMV. And thank you again, Miss Lily May, for yes, joining thank us. thank you. Your energy is definitely... Thank you for having me. Definitely. Yes, you have to let us know when you come up to visit because we would love to meet you in person or even, you know, we, we've been talking about doing road trips. Maybe we come on! Yeah. My door swing open on the hinges of welcome. Come on, but I know I'll be up there in September um, Black Golfers Weekend. My Uncle Richard, he's actually in the Golfing Hall of Fame and so they're going to do something to to honor him. Oh yeah, wait a minute. Yes, y'all in D.C., y'all definitely got to Google him. Everybody know Richard Jelly Hansberry. Look him up. They know him <laughs> at DC, baby. <laughs> but thank y'all so much um, to our viewers and our fans. We just wanted to say um, we will be having um, a guest next week. I'm not going to tell y'all who it is. Y'all wait for the promo to drop. But we will have a guest next week. And on Tuesday at 7.30, make sure y'all tune in to the DMV Live podcast live. I will be Live with Mr. Get Right or Get Left to do a live album listening. So we thank y'all. We love y'all. We'll see y'all later. Bye, y'all.
three beautiful young ladies sitting right here. Y'all see all this black excellence. So I want y'all to introduce yourselves and introduce whatever it is that you're selling, okay? Hello, my name is Chase, and I sell profits and purses, and, and that's it. My name is Kayla, and we sell profits, bracelets, and soap. Hello, my name is Aaliyah, and I sell bracelets, keychains, and bracelets. Okay, so they said they sell bracelets, popping purses, keychains, and soap. Did I miss? And baskets. Okay, so what's the name of y'all company? AKC Shop. Okay, so how can we reach you guys? You guys have like an Instagram or website? Go ahead. AKC Shop 3. All right, so make sure y'all support these young entrepreneurs. Here with James. Hey, James, you are the owner of Omni First. Okay, so can you explain to the people what that is? So, Omni, Omni means all rather than all shapes and sizes and forms. Omni First, in, in a nutshell, means I am all. Like, it's in everything, like life, energy. So it's a clothing line. That's what I'm trying to get him to tell y'all. He gave y'all what is the meaning. I'm trying to get him to tell us. Okay, so tell us what type of clothes do you sell? I sell sports, but I I I'm certified in couture. You know, I like uh, the jazzy look. If, if you want to be jazzy, you want to step out on the scene, I got you. And, and everything from scratch, sold it together, everything. Yeah, y'all see that? That's that's sure, okay. Everything from scratch. Okay, the camera right there. You know, get the people, get the people a preview. Okay. Oh, he make everything. Okay. So, can you tell us how we can reach you? Oh, I'm on IG Omni Movement Co. And then, um. Okay. So, I'm here with. And you are the owner or whatever business venture you have here? Yes, variety necessity products. We're doing all shea butters, socks. We have center shea butters. We have self-defense weapons and natural shea butter from Senegal, Africa. Okay, y'all. So if y'all need to come get some self-defense stuff, they got you over there. Okay, so can you tell the people how to reach you? Yes. Um, my Instagram is F-A-O-U-C-S-S. 202-534-2109 is the contact number. Okay. And can you give us your business name one more time just so the people can remember? Variety of Necessity Products. Instagram, F-A-O-U-C-S-S. Okay, thank y'all. Make sure y'all like, follow. Turning guests, okay, she's been on our show before. And y'all can see. Okay, so... What is your name and the name of your company? My name is Faye, and the name of my company is House of Lucy and Me 1950. Yes, as y'all all know, I always talk about her because that's all that I wear on my list. Hello? Okay, so um, what do you sell? I sell lipstick, I sell lip glosses, and I also sell lip liners, and there is more to come. Period, and I got some of everything. I got almost all her products. <laughs> loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. No me. Anyway, so how can we reach you? 
you hit me up on IG at House of Little Beauty underscore. Um, that's where I'm at. Okay, so we are here with Toddler Gang. Okay, the Toddler Gang. Okay, all the kitties. So tell us what you do, what products you sell, like where we can find you, where we can reach you, anything you would like the consumers to know. Okay, so I specialize in Toddler, 2T to 5T. Um, sometimes I go to 6. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's Toddler underscore talk. I'm sorry, toddler underscore gang underscore clothing. And I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. Them babies love me. <laughs> okay, y'all heard it from Miss Toddler Gang herself, okay? That the babies love her. Our clothes are flashy. She got the jacket, you know, representing gang gang. So, um, is there anything else you would like to tell the people? Um, what made me come up with the name? I can tell you that. Um, I was always known in the family to only watch babies. I never watched the taller because they were always bad. Like <laughs> the temper tantrums, the fallouts, all of that stuff. I can deal with it. So when I got older, my got little nieces and nephews, they would all come to the family gathering. And I just used to call them their, their own little clique, their own little taller gang. And I just, there you go. Then I drew the logo out and it came to life. Uh, so there y'all have it. Toddler game. Make sure make they are gang gang. So make sure that y'all log on, that y'all follow her and buy from her. Cause I know y'all got some toddlers. All them Black pandemic, and I baby. represent All Points District. I'm the CEO, owner, designer, creative uh, mind of the whole All Points District. Okay, so All Points District is a clothing line. Correct, correct. It's a clothing line that I started in 2018. I've been steady with it, and it's just been nothing but great. Okay, that's good. So, is there a way that uh, we can reach you, like via social media, anything like that, so you can give everybody your handle so they know where to go buy your products? So, it's All Points District, A L L P O I N T Z D I S T R I C T, All Points District with a Z. Uh, that's on I, that's on Instagram, that's on Facebook. I'm Lex D, the real Lex D on Instagram too. Uh, yeah, just follow me. Yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, y'all heard him, y'all. Make sure y'all follow him. All Points District, right? All Points District. Follow, All points di follow him. Follow him. Hey, hey. Y'all know the fuck going on. Huh. Early morning, wake up, bacon, fuck up, bitches on a daily basis. Just text and no conversation. Give a dick and baby, no relation. Gotta keep it basic. Jug, jug when I'm modulating. Nigga, work, work is my occupation. Never obligated, listen to the hatred. Just a search of sticking, cause you know they hate. Early morning, wake up, bacon, fuck up, bitches on a daily basis. Just text and no conversation. Give a D and baby, no relation. Gotta keep it basic. Jug, jug, modulating, work, work.